The Lekchad region, once a beacon of diversity and a lifeline for millions, is now a hotbed of conflict, displacement, and environmental degradation. The shrinking of Lake Chad, a crisis exacerbated by climate change, has intensified competition for resources, fueling conflict and instability. In recent years, Borno State has been grappling with annual flooding, a stark contrast to the receding waters of Lake Chad. These extreme weather events, predicted by climate scientists, are becoming the new normal, further complicating the already precarious situation. Today, we take a trip to the Lake Chad region and have a conversation framed within the context of the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, particularly Goal 13 on climate action. Stay tuned as we unravel the intricate web of climate change conflict and resilience in northeast Nigeria. Hello, welcome to The Crisis Room, a podcast from Human Angle. I am Usman Abbasanna. In this podcast, we look at crisis trends across the continent and answer the tough questions around them. This week, our colleague, Abdul Karim Haruna, will have a conversation with Dr. Dogo Saiji, who is a lecturer and a civil society activist on climate change, water resources, and community adaptation in Lake Chad. In Borno State, communities are facing recurring cases of flooding that have led to displacement of people. At the same time, the water of the Lake Chad, partly blamed for the Boko Haram crisis, are said to have receded at an alarming rate. How can we make sense of this situation? Well, uh, thank you very much, but I am a little bit skeptical why you are so much concerned about the Boko Haram insurgency, which to me is one of the recent ones. Which started not quite more than a decade ago. But perhaps when you want to talk about the lecture region as a whole, mm. first you need to consider the series of problems, crises that are being faced by people who are living within the lecture or rather at the shores of the lecture. You need to cast your mind back to the 18th century, if you can remember when there was an issue uh, in some of the areas of lecture when Rabi came, it was a very serious issue and many people have lost their lives and property. And after that, also in 19th century, there was metacine crisis, if you can remember. And thereafter, there were also other issues that has to do with religion, some were on economics, some were political. Like Ngenzagma crisis was also there. There was Kumshe crisis in Burma, where I'm coming from. There was also Gulumba crisis as well. In Burma, and then there was Bendem crisis, same in Burma. There was Potterson crisis, and after that, there was also Kanama crisis, which I usually name it as Boko Haram phase one. Then later, the Boko Haram phase two started to be specific around 2008 2009. So, but when you look at the lecture itself, initially, this is a region and it is being bordered by four different countries because the lecture has two belts we have the upper and then the lower belts. When you talk of the upper belt, you are talking about uh, Cameroon and Chad. But when you talk about the lower belt, we have Nigeria and Niger. So this lecture region that we are talking about is being owned or rather shared by all these four countries that I mentioned. But there are peculiarities attached to it. For people that are living in Nigeria and Niger, because we live in the lower belt, it means if water should flow as it is expected naturally, so we are going to receive more and then we get more advantage 
we have more age over those two countries that are located at the upper belt. This is one. Then two, you have to consider the lecture itself. In that around 80s that I was talking about, the lecture was estimated to be around 25,000 square kilometer, which uh, the lecture actually, by the estimate we had, there were over 20 million people benefiting doing different socioeconomic activities within the shores of the lake. But today, from 2000 to date, just a decade or so, the lecture size has receded to less than 5,000. So you have to look at this one first. And then you need to also consider the porosity because we have about 500 illegal borders. We had different engagement with people around coming from the security angle and civil society, where I can vividly remember when we got a report that we had more than 500 illegal borders that lead to these three different countries from Nigeria. You have to also consider that one. Then after that too, if we have 20 million people that are living at the shores of the lake, doing different socioeconomic activities, and today the lake has receded to that extent, then you also have to consider different problems, crises that have been encountered by those communities within this region, vis-a-vis -vis the Boko Haram insurgency. Then when you want to also talk about the climate change, actually to me, there are a lot of human factors that, are, that is responsible for that. And then we also have the natural factor. Some people may tell you our people don't even know about climate, but it's not true. I started my research as far back as 2009, 10, 11, during my second degree, which I visited a lot of communities around. These people that you see, they know climate much, much better than us that have been to school. You mean the local people? Yeah, the local people. Only that their own is not documented. A local man can tell you when the rain is expected to arrive in their own community using stars, using local bats, using ants. All these are different parameters that local people use to estimate or to even predict climate to do weather forecasts for you. And even as far back as 80s and 70s, there were communities that I, I visited in 2000, which I was able to realize that these communities dock their own ponds for water conservation. So this to tell you the problem has been lingering for many years. But then when you talk about the political issue, because of these locations that I said, which I don't want to talk much, actually there are issues happening in those uh, communities. And then we also, also have to consider our own human attitude that we do. We usually engage in cutting down number of trees, which we actually don't even consider the amount of water that is being stored in plants that we have when you talk about the river for transpiration. We have much, much water quantum than what we even get from the rivers. And that issue of evaporation, transpiration, and what have you is real, and it happens. Then also, you also have to consider even the burning of fossil fuel that we do without replacement, without having alternative source of energy in those communities. But if you want to talk about the lecture, the lecture can be recharged and we can get enough water. Yeah, sorry, before yeah. we get to the lecture of the lecture, yeah. you mentioned about the size yeah. of the lecture and yeah. you also gave a clear yeah. history of how it keeps receding. Yeah. Can you put in a clear context? How does this affect the people that need to the present crisis that we're having? Maybe just so people can yeah. understand. Yeah. My reason for saying that is because, for instance, you have something to do uh, to earn life, to do your socioeconomic activities. And today, if someone should just come and stop that, 
I think an empty, uh, an idle mind has a double workshop. You may decide to go either way, positive or negative. Yeah. So if these 20 million people have been benefiting from the lake, doing different socioeconomic activities, fishing, uh, irrigation, farming, marital issues, so many issues like that. And if today the lake has receded to that extent and it's real, you can just check, you Google, you see the size of the lake. So what do you think will be their fate? Anything can happen. And these are some of the reasons why even some people who are being captured forcefully to follow the other way. And some, they go because they don't even know what to do. And then you also have to consider this economic situation of the present days. So I believe this is a very serious issue and it's very clear for people to understand that once if the lake has been reduced to that extent, definitely in return, it will affect different people. And if it is going to affect people, then economically, socially, morally, educationally, and otherwise, people have to change. Life has to be difficult to people. And for someone who has nothing doing, he can decide to follow the other party. These are some of the reasons why the recruitment was so high. You are quoted in a recent Human Angle uh, report on the Maiduguri flooding, where you described the terrain of Bono as a floodplain. Could you kindly shed more light on what exactly you mean by that? Yeah, what I say so actually, when you look at the terrain of Maiduguri itself, it's a floodplain. But geographically, this is to tell you that it's very, very susceptible, or rather I can say uh, it's, uh, it's just too vulnerable for flooding. When you look at the rivers that we have, the river Ngada that passes around, and then the Ngada bull that people used to say Ngada isna and what have you in the local language. So because of the nature of the terrain, so if there is any overflow of water, the town can easily be affected. The vulnerability is very high. That is what I mean by the city is prone to flooding vis-a-vis -vis human activities that is being done, which I told you they do a lot of illegal construction along the river banks which I want to blame communities as well and some part of those who are in charge of doing that. Because if you can actually check critically right from the inception, you will not even allow people to start building. So which our local leaders, for instance, the traditional institutions alongside the government, they have to check not to allow people to be doing that because it leads to a lot of problems. Um, Professor Kiaritijani of Blessed Memory once said that uh, the entire landmass of Maiduguri up to places like Kirinewa and beyond was once under water of the receded lecture. Given this information, is it possible to say that Maiduguri is suffering from flooding because the city sits on natural waterways? To tell you, even this your office where this in, I'm granting this interview was part of the lake. You know this Fizan filling station mm. was part of the lake. Yeah, the lake was up to this point. I have a map which I used during my PhD research mm. and it's, it has clearly shown that the lake chart was up to this level. Mm. Okay, then if you now want to say it's because of this that almost everybody within Meduguri or uh, within Meduguri and environs has built on the river bank. It may be true, it may not be true, but you have to consider the urban development because there are areas where <coughs> being allocated by government officially and they are designated for residential purposes. So the government has to use another means of doing uh, best to see how they can divert the water. That is not an issue. But still up to today, that I tell you, this Fizan and your office as well were part of the lake. But yet, there are other places that is being designated to be part of river, which they are river banks. And still people are building on that axis. So you have you, these two things are different entirely. Yeah, because if, because of development, because of urbanization, 
Kemon has put a lot of effort to divert things to ensure that this place is safe. Then it means it is safe by government. But what if you are not being allowed to build along the river banks and you continue doing that illegally? So it means you are you are creating more more problem than than good to yourself and to the society as well. Would you say all these problems we are facing today could have been avoided if the proper measures were taken in the past? And what exactly did we needed to do that we did not do? Yeah, there are different cons uh, issues. First, we need to change by orientation. By orientation, I mean orientation encompasses everything. This is very key. And once if we can change by our orientation as humans, then it means we will solve a lot of problems within and even beyond. Thereafter, we need to engage in sensitization for people to understand the context. You know, you cannot uh, give what you don't have. If, for instance, you are my audience, or this is an audience that I have to address, and if they did not even understand what I have in the first place, there is no way how I will succeed at the end of my mission. So the best thing for us is actually to change by orientation, which the government has to play a very vital role in doing that. But even the lecture that we are complaining today, it can be recharged, which I told you yeah. earlier. Uh, and that, in my recommendation I wrote during the PhD research, which I said, interbasin water transfer can be done, and it will actually help us to recharge the lecture. But we'll be talking about this interbasin water transfer yeah. right from the years of Wabasanjo, yeah. Ullo Jonathan, yeah. and up to the present time. Yes. I remember during the last uh, regional stabilization mm -hmm. uh, meet, meeting in, yeah. in Jamena, yeah. the Authorities there at the lecture basic commission mm. are talking about recharging the lecture, mm. but uh, often they are still at the level mm. of getting the competent organization or company or firm that can take that contract. That those that apply are not even qualified. Looking at the their their, their profile, so I think we've been talking about what is the problem. Why are we not? Why is it, we're still stuck within the idea of dredging the lecture and so on. Do you think we can ever get it done? Well, actually, you only gave reference to Obasanjo's regime. Yeah. Uh, um, but let me tell you the truth. This issue started even before I was born. Mm -hmm. I'm about 40 now. It started even during Shagari's regime. Mm -hmm. So, but there are a lot of issues. You know, political commitment is different from political will. I can have a will to do something. I may be willing. But if I am not committed to it, I cannot do that. But actually, at my level, and in this interview, I don't want to conclude why this thing has not been done yet. But I am optimistic that it can be real if we can come together and put hands on deck. Definitely, it can be done. Let me just digress yeah. a bit. Uh, as an yeah. expert on water, yeah. there's this um, diplomatic... Uh, impasse we are having now between mm. Nigeria and Niger. Mm. How, because a lot of the common man does not really understand mm. what we mean that uh, if Niger should hold its water, what does it imply to us? <laughs> well, uh, there are little issues to be considered, but however, you know, these are purely administrative issues mm. and they are highly technical. Mm. But what I want to suggest is there has to be a proper consultation mm. and consultation could be done even from grassroots, there are things you may get from a common man that you may not even get it from where you think you can get. So, but I believe the two governments are on top of the situation and it will be yeah, settled. Well, finally, yeah. 
talking about government has to up its acts in yeah. terms of seeing that they get the right thing done. Yeah. The Borno State has 25 years development plan. Yeah. And they also have um, ten years, ten years strategic action plan. Yeah. And do you see this as a positive step towards getting things right? Seriously, yeah. I am very, very optimistic, and I see it positive. I see it real, and I see it happening. The only thing I want to advise is, you know, we have to consider transition. Uh, this government has been here for almost five years, and it is the initiation of the government to come with these two bigger projects, the 10 years and the 25 years developmental uh, this plan. And I believe the government has about three years with some months to go. So whoever that is coming to take over, which I believe the person must be from Borno, mm. irrespective of your affiliation. Yeah. yeah. But so then why can't you continue with it since it is a very good project and it is for the benefit of everybody? Then if you don't have that mind to continue with anything that is being brought by your predecessor, as a successor for the benefit of your people, for the benefit of your state at large, then there is no point of you coming to even succeed the government. This is my position and I believe it is very, very opt I am optimistic. Thank you very much, Dr. Saji, for being with us today. Thank you. I appreciate Alajabu. Thank, Thank you, you very much. This is an episode of Human Angle Crisis Room. Thank you for listening. Join us in two weeks for another episode. The producer is Usman Abbasana. The executive producer is Ahmed Salkida.